Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Father, we just pause as we get ready to look into your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to worship you today. We thank you for uh, your presence that we felt during the worship a few minutes ago. We thank you for the people that are here in the house and the people that are watching online from all over. This morning from Canada and Tennessee and Ohio, North Carolina, we thank you, God. But Lord, as I approach your word today, I I am asking you to anoint my words. Let there be your words. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say, but let me say everything you want me to say. And Holy Spirit, I'm depending upon you today. So I pray today, God, that you'd be glorified, that the saints would be edified, and that Satan would be terrified in your name, Jesus. Well, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look there today. I love the question a few minutes ago that Andrea asked, why did you come to church today? And you think, man, what a weird question. Why did I come to church today? It's Sunday after all, right? And so that sort of helps. Sometimes we think, why do, why do we come to church? You say, well, I've always come to church. It's Sunday. That's the way you're supposed to do. But is that really a good motive? Is that the motive? I know Jesus said, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. The early church worshiped on Sunday. That was the first day. Uh, or maybe you came today simply because you wanted to see a friend. Or maybe you're single and you like that person that sits on the other side of the church and you've been scoping him or her out and that's why you came today. Some of you may have come for the donuts today. Who knows? Everybody could use a few extra calories, I'm sure. Yeah, not. Uh, Or maybe you came today to just enjoy the fellowship. Or maybe you came today out of a sense of duty. Well, they sent me a request this week, said it's my week to serve, and if I don't serve, somebody else will, and there'll be all blank. So what are the, and, and I think maybe there could be multiple reasons that you came to church today. Maybe you came today because the last time I saw you, I said, where are you? How, how why haven't you been in church? And you said, I'm going to be coming soon, right? Yes, I see that hand in the back. All right. Inside joke. Um. But I think a lot of times we do things from mixed motives. Sometimes we do good things, but maybe not for the right reason. But nor do I want us today as we, chapter six is all about examining your motives. Nor do I want us to go to the other extreme and become spiritual hypochondriacs. And every time we turn around, we're second guessing ourselves as to our, is my motive right? Is my motive right? Is my motive right? So today in this passage, Jesus is going to select some actions, say actions, actions that we as believers do, and he's going to warn us that don't do them for the wrong purpose, because it's possible to do the right things in the wrong way. And so he's going to use three examples. First of all, of giving of our time and service and our finances are doing good, and then prayer, and then fasting. So as I looked at this, I believe that we could narrow it down to asking ourselves three questions. And if you're taking notes, here's the first question that we should ask ourselves. Number one, what's my motive for giving? Or maybe you could say this, what's my motive for serving? What's my motive for doing good? 
What's my motive for the way that I live my life? So in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, if you have your Bible or you can watch on the Sky Bible, here's what it says. Take heed. Literally there in the Greek, it says, hold your mind toward this. Hold your mind toward this. And in other words, do this constantly. Examine your motive. Examine your motive. So he says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds, you're serving, you're doing good, you're living your life. Don't do it before men to be seen of men. Those of us that have insecure issues, boy, this is going to hit us hard today. Don't do it to be seen of men and for men to give you that attaboy pat on the back. Otherwise, you have no what? You have no reward. He doesn't say partial reward. He said, if you do your good works, if you live your life in such a way that you're doing it for people to give you the affirmation, you get no reward from your father. He said, therefore, do, when you do a charitable deed, when you serve, when you act right, when you do the things you're supposed to do, don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or the streets, or we could put in modern-day vernacular, go to social media and tell how great you are, that men may glorify you. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their what? Reward. That's all you're going to get. God's not going to give you a reward. So when you get to heaven, don't look for him to reward you for something that you did because you spend all of your time trying to get men to notice you and to see and to affirm you. When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So <clears throat> when he's talking about deeds here, he's talking about things that we do. Things we do in life. How we live, how we serve, how we do. And any time in this passage you see this phrase, secret. Because sometimes people misunderstand this. They say, see, he says, you should pray in secret, not pray in public. That's not what he's saying. You should give in secret and never let anybody know that you give. That's not what he's saying. In this passage, when he says secret, he's saying it's the motive of your heart. And only God can see the secret motive of your heart. Do you understand that? So he's saying all of your works should be done for him and him alone, and he sees your motive. He sees your heart. But he says, if you do it unto men to be seen of men, you have your reward. The Greek word there, reward, means full receipt, paid in full. God said, if you serve, if you give, if you do all the things you do, for to be seen of men so that men would applaud you, so that men would give you the affirmation, he says, you're paid in full. That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get any more. Paid in full. So he says, but if you do these to be noticed, you've got your reward. So sometimes we give or we serve from a lot of motives, but he said, ask yourself, why am I doing this? Now, when he's talking about all these things of 
of giving and in secret and all that. We have a lot of times, sometimes people say, well, you know, I really believe you should never, I don't fill out one of those envelopes or I don't give online. I just take a donation cash and drop it in the envelope because I think it should be secret. Nobody else knows about that. Well, he never says here, give anonymously. He never says that. So people who misinterpret that, misinterpret, it's really a prideful spirit. It's, 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 uh, I, I give uh, myself. I don't give like other people to be noticed. No. In Acts chapter 4, it says that uh, Barnabas sold some property, and he brought the exact amount, and he laid it at the feet of the apostles. He didn't do it in secret, but it's in the middle of the church service. He laid it. Jesus was standing by where they were dropping money into the treasury, And he saw what the woman gave and he noticed that and he spoke about that to his guys. So it's not that, it's not that I give anonymously, it's that my motive is a secret. I don't give to say, hey, hey, I'm dropping a thousand bucks today. You should thank God that I come to your church. No, that's not what he's saying. We make it very secret here of what you give. I know what you give. I see the giving. There are a few people that know that because I want to know if somebody who's been giving and all of a sudden they stop, it immediately tells me that there's a spiritual problem and we need to run to that and minister. Before we put anybody in leadership, we look at their giving record. Are they consistent? Do they continue to do that? Before people come and ask for help for a financial crisis, one of the first things Pastor Tim will check is he'll check your giving record. Why? Because you see, if you don't put God first in your giving, then if we help you to bail you out, we're only perpetuating a bad habit in your life because you're not putting God first with a tithe and with the offering. You see, it's, it's very important. It's very important. So when I, when I look over those and I look over who gives, it's not that how much that person gives, the amount that he gives, it's the consistent faithfulness of a heart that says, I'm giving to God because of what he has done for me. So I check my motive. Is my motive right? Is my motive right? I don't want to preach for people to say, oh, how wonderful that is. You just, you, you, you just said all those wonderful things. No, that's not my motive. Somebody said in the first service, they were new and said, you know what I like about this church? I like that I can still learn something, even though I've been to church for a long time. In this Sermon on the Mount, I've learned stuff that I didn't know before. And I said, thank God, that's my goal. My goal is that not people put on, wow, what a great preacher. But my goal would be that people would put on a social media or say, thank God I learned something today from the word of God. It's not about me, but it's about his word. And it's about that. So I think we've got to be careful. What's my motive. Second of all, what's my motive for praying? He says, and when you pray, I guess he assumes that we should pray, right? He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. Look at this, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their what? Paid in full. But you, when you pray, go into your room. That means cut off yourself from distractions. That may mean like turning the TV off or silencing your phone. So every time you're praying, you're not getting a beep, beep, beep. Oh, that was the other service. And when you pray, go into your room. And when you shut the door, pray to your father 
who's already in that secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. The Jewish style of preaching was at 9 a.m. of the morning and at 3 p.m. of the afternoon. And if they were in the synagogue, they wanted to stand up and they wanted to, with a very loud, boisterous voice, pray one of those prayers that's very impressive prayers. Or they wanted to stand on the street corners like a trumpet. Ba, ba, ba. Hello, God. Yes, it's me again. Your favorite one in this world. Now we laugh, but we've seen people like that in a small group, in a church service. They want to pray, and you think, are they praying to talk to God? Or are they trying to impress me with their ability to pray? You ever met anybody like that? And so when you're in a small group, somebody will say to you, uh, would, would you, would you pray? Oh, no, I, I feel very uncomfortable in praying. You know what you're saying? I feel uncomfortable in praying because I can't pray like so-and-so does because their words are so good. Their words are so great. Listen, sometimes the best prayer you can pray is, help. I mean, if, you're, if you've just fallen off of a cliff and you're falling, you're going to go Splat. It's not important that you go through 23 Hail Marys and something else before you get to the place. You want to say, help me, God. I need your help. So listen, he's saying, I see your heart. Other people say words because they want people to pat them on the back and say, oh, I wish I could pray like that. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah, I'm envious of some people who, who, who they pray because how they pray because they do it in such a great way. But Jesus said they got their reward. But here's what he's saying in this. I want you to pray and commune with me from your heart. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. It's the quality. You know, people say, well, could you not tarry an hour? You know, we all went through that Larry Lee process. So could you not tarry? Some of us felt guilty all the time. Anybody fell asleep trying to pray an hour? Thank you. I don't feel alone now. Some of you can pray an hour, some of you can pray two hours, and I just thank God for, you, for the gift. I thank God for the intercessory heart that you have. But it's not necessarily the time, because there's a lot of people who use the time to brag about how much they do. They've already got their reward. But it's the quality of that heart towards God. Shut out the worldly attention. And then he says, avoid vain repetitions. Say repetitions. That Greek word is babble. Don't babble on and on. Ever met somebody just babbles on? They, like, they talk and you think, I, I think they like to hear themselves talk, right? Just babble and babble and babble and babble. I think sometimes in our prayer, what slips off of our tongue has very little meaning from our heart because we pray in the same pattern with the same words. It might be interesting to interview your family or people that are close to you, and they would say, I can tell you the phrases that they're going to say and how they're going to say it. Now, first of all, there's nothing wrong with repetition. Jesus prayed the same prayer again. But the thing is, we can get to the place that we're speaking words 
It's sort of like we pray that, we're like, Lord, just bless me, bless my family, bless somebody else, bless this food, bless this. And if you were to say right then, time out, where was your mind? That's what he's talking about, vain repetitions. Or like you heard this like, <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings, Lord Jesus. We pray to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We, we thank you, Jesus. And I think sometimes the Lord says, excuse me, do you talk to anybody else like that? You say, Edwin, thank you, Edwin. Thank you for making coffee. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here, Edwin. I'm gl- thank you for setting that up, Edwin. Edwin, you're, you're just wonderful. Edwin, you're a great guy, Edwin. And then all of a sudden, they say, <clears throat> Edwin would think, is he trying to say that so he can remember my name? <clears throat> is he getting so old that he's trying to do rep- repetition? Or is he just saying, that's just kind of repetition? I'm just saying to all of us today, Before Jesus tells us how to pray, he says, I don't want you to pray to be heard of men. And I don't want you to get caught in the place that you always are praying the same way, the same style, all the time. And boy, as I'm teaching this, I maybe have one finger at you, but then I've got three back at me. Somebody said to me today between services, said, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, over 50 years. Does it ever get easier? Does preaching get easier? I said, no, I got to be honest with you. It gets harder. Because I know more than I knew 50 years ago. So I know I'm held accountable for more. And I also know that if I'm not careful, because I've done this for so long and I know how to do it, I can rely on my ability instead of him. And the moment I do that, my heart motive is wrong, and I've lost my reward. So I'm just saying with our prayer time, reevaluate your prayer life this week. Maybe you want to just sit in his presence for a while and say, oh, what do you want me to pray about today? You say, well, what if nothing comes to me for a while? Okay. but you're just showing up. So then he says, verse eight, therefore don't be like those people for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him in this manner, therefore pray. Sometimes people say, well, why should I pray if he already knows what I need? Well, he says right here, the father knows what you have need of before you pray, but in the same way, pray like this. He's not saying pray this verbatim, although I do. I challenged you several weeks ago to pray this prayer verbatim every day for the rest of your life. And I do. I pray this prayer verbatim because I think there's something in it. It's it's not the power of the repetition. It's the power of the truth that's in this. Jesus is not saying, this is a prayer for you to memorize and say when you get in trouble. This is a prayer outline of subject matters. And and people say, well, I, I just wish I knew how to pray. Well, Jesus says, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And so that's what Luke said. And so here's what he says. In fact, would you read it with me? In this manner, therefore, pray. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So use this prayer outline. Here's the, way this, here's the way this prayer is. This is the outline for you to use. First of all, he says when you pray, what? Read it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So really what he's saying is here, tell God how great he is and how much he means to you. So that's what I do when, when I pray. I use this prayer outline. Uh, not all the time, but I'd say probably 80% of my time I use this prayer outline. So I always start off here. Lord, I just want you to know how great you are, how awesome you are. Uh, there's nobody like you. You're amazing. And I'll just, I'll just come up with the words that, 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 that I can think of. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit and the power of praying in a prayer language because sometimes I don't have enough English words to pray. And that's when I rely on the Holy Spirit to give me a few phrases to praise the Lord in that because he's awesome. So we start our prayer off there. We don't start off with the request. We start off by just addressing him who he is. He's a God. So if you're saying, God, I thank you for who you are and I thank you for what you've done, all of a sudden you're building your faith up, right? So he says, then say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what he's saying here is give God what? Total control over all the areas of your life. Give God total control. So here's how I pray. I start off my prayer and I'll, and I'll thank God for what he's done. I'll say, I thank you for that, God. And I pray, Lord, your kingdom come. I pray, Lord, that you I, I pray that there will be a total surrender a total surrender and a total control of, of their life towards you. So I'll start and I'll say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in our president and our leaders. Your kingdom come, your will be done over, uh, over my life. And I'll pray over my life that, that he'll rule and reign in my life. And then I'll pray over Nita. I'll say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Help Anita to surrender every area of her life to you. And then I'll pray for my kids and my grandkids the same way. And then I'll pray for my staff the same way. And then I pray for you as a church the same way. And I go on down through what I feel like God is praying. I'm praying, Lord, let them give total control of your life. Your kingdom, your rule, and your reign. And then he says, and pray this, give this day our daily bread. So I'm saying, Lord, I need you today. I need you today. So I just start and I pray that way. I, I, I don't want to start any day off without telling the Lord how much I need him, how much I need him, especially on Mondays. I really need God on Mondays. If I didn't, I'd fire the whole staff and I'd quit. Because you think about all the things, I, I think about all the dumb things I said on Sunday, right? I think about all the things that didn't go right and who's responsible for that and why it didn't happen. So on Mondays, thank God, Tim, you better thank God for this. I pray a lot, Lord, I need you today. I need you today that I could be a good leader. That I don't always just spend my time finding fault in what was wrong. But that I'm able to encourage someone today. See, some of you that are parents and some of you that have a spouse, you can always find out what's wrong with them. You can always walk into a room and pick out what's wrong. And there's a time to deal with that. But there's also a time that you can just be an encourager to someone and just tell God, hey, I need you, God. And then forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So here we're saying, he's saying, admit your sin to God and ask for forgiveness and forgive those who have hurt you. And if that wasn't enough, then he, he goes on in verses 14 and 15 of this chapter 6. 
And he says this, for if you forgive men their trespasses or their sins against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins or their trespasses against you, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Whoa. This is not for the weak-minded. He said, in my kingdom, forgiveness works horizontally before it works vertically. If you're not able to forgive somebody that sinned against you or hurt you, then how are you ever going to be able to accept the fact that God forgives you? Forgiveness is not an option. The proof that we've been forgiven is that we are forgiving people. It's sort of like, like this. You know, I forgive you because God has forgiven me of an unpayable debt. I could never pay it back. I could never earn my way to heaven. I could never work my way to heaven. God has given me a clean slate. And because he's done that, I forgive you. David said in Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, unforgiveness, we could say, the Lord won't hear my prayer. Somebody said this. I wish I'd have said that this was really good. A pack of grudges is the heaviest thing you can carry around in life. A pack of grudges is the heaviest thing that you can carry around in life. You say, yeah, but they've, they've done me wrong. Forgive. And then Jesus said, and pray for those who've done you wrong. You say, well, that's not fair for me to pray. You know, I don't, I don't want God to bless them. Anita told me this week, she said, here's the way to pray for someone that's done you wrong. Lord, bless them to the extent that you want them to be blessed. Wow. Isn't that great? I don't know how much you want to bless them or how little. You know, that's sort of what we're thinking. You know, if I were you, God, I wouldn't. It's tough being in the kingdom of God. It's much easier in this area to just be a plain old sinner, right? But when you look at this, he's saying that's how the world acts. But you're salt and you're light. And I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. Forgive. And then he says, and lead us, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In this area, I believe God is simply saying, smallest thing, ask God to give you strength over the particular area that you struggle with. What is it that you struggle with? You have a difficulty. That's the very area right here, Lord. Don't lead me or don't let me be led into temptation because God tempts none of us. It's the evil one, right? And then for yours is the kingdom. <coughs> the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we praise God. We just praise him. It, now, that's, that's a good little simple outline. Not detailed. It's just, it's just simple. It's just, but here Jesus says, these are the ways that you pray. And notice, I don't ever pray, God, forgive me of my sins until I've dealt with the other areas of giving him worship and saying, your kingdom come, and I need you. And then, yeah, forgive me of my sins. So question one, what was that? What's my motive for giving? Question two, what's my motive for prayer? Number three, <laughs> excuse me, what's my motive for fasting? Fasting. Jesus says, moreover, 
when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites or the actors, is what he's saying, with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men, look at, to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you don't appear to men to be fasting. But your father, who's in that secret place, he sees and he will reward you openly. Jesus is talking about the Pharisees because what they would do is that they would put some white makeup on their face and it would kind of be like white gray. And they would wear black clothes and as mourning and they, and they would rip their clothes so that when they stood, they would stand like this, the black clothes, the mourning, the ashen look on their face. So people would walk by and say, oh, they look so hungry. They're fasting. Oh, they're so holy. And Jesus said, they've got their reward. But he said, you, when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. So he evidently expects us to fast, right, as believers. He said, wash your face. Anoint your head. In other words, he's saying you anoint. The anointing brings joy, right? Don't mope around. How you doing? Oh, I got a headache from hell. I've been fasting for two hours. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? You can go all day long without eating a freaking thing, right? And the day you decide to fast... 30 minutes into it, you're craving a hot dog, and you don't even like a hot dog. True? Why is that, you think? I think that's because the enemy knows the power of adding fasting to our prayer and having a motive that's just simply saying, I can't do this without you, God. And I'm as hungry for you as I'm hungry for my favorite food. So here at the Father's house, at the beginning of every quarter, we take Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and fast. And I know some of you, and and I'm not bragging, I know some of you fast every week, some of you fast at the beginning of every month, and, 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 and it's not bad to tell somebody you're fasting. It encourages people. But it's just when you mope about it and think you're paying a high price. That's not. And so the first of every month, uh, first of every quarter, we fast Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And then we come together on that Wednesday night for a night of celebration and worship. So I, I think the next one we have is in January, the first week of January. So I encourage you to participate. You go to our website and you can get information about how to fast, how to do the Daniel fast. And you may want to start before then. You may want to start fasting like a, 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 a meal a week. You maybe want to do like the, uh, uh, like a lot of people do different things. They put one meal or they do something. The Wesleyans used to fast every Wednesday from the morning to the afternoon tea, which is about three o'clock. Maybe you, maybe you want to do that. But it's just saying that the Lord says, when you fast, when you fast, the Pharisees would put on black clothes, rip them. Because they wanted everybody to know how sad they were. 
You know, it's a sad thing that in some areas of the church world, the way that you show your spirituality is that you're sad, mad, and always frowning. I tell, I tell preachers, and every once in a while in worship team, we've told them that. Watch yourself on the video. Turn the sound down. Just watch your face. You look mad. Do you look sad? Do you ever smile? I think the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Blessed are those who, those who mourn. Blessed are those who weep. Bless, bless, bless. So I don't think it should be about mourning. I think it should be the joy of the Lord. The world is in mourning, but we need to bring them hope, don't you? The Bible speaks about fasting over 60 times. But today, today, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you to make the kingdom shift. To shift from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God. Put him first in your life. Do everything for his glory. Buckle your seatbelt because you're all out for an awesome ride. Would you bow your heads with me as we, as we pray this morning? Father, as we study the words that Jesus spoke, we know that they're alive and they're powerful. They're sharper than any two-edged sword, your word says, because they go down into our very emotions and they cut apart our spirit and our flesh. And we're evaluated by the words of Jesus. We're judged by the words of this Sermon on the Mount as believers. We bless you, Lord. We worship you. That you set up on the inside of us your kingdom that will eventually cover this whole world and you'll rule and reign. Now, Father, I pray for those of us that are here today and those that are online that maybe not know you as their savior. Maybe they've heard about you. They've sung songs about you. But Lord, they don't know you. They've never invited you into their life. They've never surrendered their life to you. Lord, I know that there are some that are here today and some that are watching online. They're on the threshold of saying, Jesus, be my savior, be my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I want to give you my heart. Lord, I pray that they'll find that peace today and that forgiveness. As you continue to pray, as you continue to just close your eyes, bow your head, and just think about where your life is. Maybe not only today are you here and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, but maybe you're here and you used to serve the Lord. You used to really be close to the Lord. But somehow you let the kingdom of the world interrupt your walk with the Lord. And so here you are today. You're thinking, you know, what can I do? And the Lord just simply says, it's time to come home. It's time to come home. I mean, let me ask you this question. If you were to die today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you would be in the presence of the Lord or you'd be separated from him? You say, well, how can I know that? Can I, is it like, do I have to do good works? How much good works do I have to do? Jesus knew, or God knew that we would struggle with that question. So he sent his son, Jesus, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for my sins and your sins. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead so that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, and that includes you, calls on the name of the Lord can be saved.
He can forgive you of your sins, your past. He can give you a purpose for living. He can give you the promise of an eternity with Him. But you can only come to the way of Jesus. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the way. It's not of your works. Or we could boast about that. But it's simply saying, Jesus, I, I've tried, but I know I can't do it by myself, and I need you. As the church is praying, those of you that are watching online, those of you that are in the house, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I need to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm really not sure today if I were to die, if I would go to be with the Lord. Or maybe you'll say, you know what? I used to be serving God with all my heart, but I've kind of let things pull me away. So I'd love to pray for either one of those categories. Today, you're inviting Jesus to come into your life for the first time. You need him to forgive your sin. You're lost and you need to be found. Or today, you've been wandering and you need to come home. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you are and make eye contact with me? Say, that's me today, Terry. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you in the back. Thank you. I want to make that clear today that I'm ready to meet the Lord. Those of you watching online, just lift your hand right where you are. It's okay. I'm just waiting a minute longer for you to just acknowledge that you're in need of a Savior today. You say, well, I'm, I'm not sure that I, that I can make it. None of us can make it on our own, but it's with the Lord. Let me lead you in a prayer. We've all prayed a prayer almost like this at one time or another as a believer. I can give you a word, give you the words, but you have to give him your heart. Pray this with me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I confess today that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. So I surrender. I give up. I need your help. As best as I know how, I want to serve you the rest of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.